Welcome to Business Masters, the podcast that gives you direct access to world-leading experts on key business issues. To be the first to know about future shows and to access even more exclusive content, visit businessblueprint.com and subscribe today. Hello, it's Dale Beaumont here, founder of Business Blueprint, and welcome to another Business Masters podcast. Today, I'm talking with Robert Gerrish, who's the founder of Flying Solo, and our topic is how to be a successful solo entrepreneur. Robert, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Dale. Pleasure to be here. So let's define, what does it mean to be a solopreneur? Well, that's a great, great opening question. Look, I guess if we take the, um, you know, the, the definition of an entrepreneur being someone who sets a business up and takes risks in the hopes of uh, making a go of it, uh, a solopreneur is precisely that, but it's a person working by themselves. And um, you know, as a snapshot of Australia, about 73% of Australian small businesses are businesses run by one person. So we can call those solopreneurs or soloists or whatever, whatever phrase you like. Okay, and I'm guessing there are some people that are in that phase because they're just starting out in business and they maybe can't afford other staff, but there are other people that have been in that position, I'm guessing, for 10 or 20 years and are there by choice um, as opposed to uh, a, a phase that they're just moving through. Yeah, look, that's that's absolutely right. And I mean, it's, it's probably true to say that the majority of the, the community that, uh, that, that we embrace are those that are solo by choice and the majority wish to stay solo. You know, we, we research our community on a regular basis and we ask that very question. And in the main, what we find is there are a lot of people who, for a lifestyle choice, want to work by themselves. Sure, they want to have a number of people around them, and I'm sure we'll get on to that. But fundamentally, they're doing it for themselves. They're doing it as a lifestyle, and they're doing it to support quite possibly other revenue that's coming into the household as well. Okay, so what are some of the challenges that face uh, solopreneurs? Okay, well, look, there, there are particular ones. And again, this is a question that we ask uh, of our audience on a regular basis and on a detailed basis every couple of years through our research. And um, sadly, the, the, the four main hot buttons have, have pretty well remained unchanged. The first one, the, the main challenge that solo businesses have, and it's very true of small businesses, is finding enough clients and generating enough revenue. So you know, that's kind of hot button number one, and that probably doesn't come as any great surprise to either of us. Um, hot on the heels of that, the second biggest challenge is basically wearing too many hats. And this is quite unique to small businesses and particularly solo businesses. So having to do too much, having to do absolutely everything. And this is a trap that a lot of solo businesses fall into. And I think you and I would agree that there are a number of ways to avoid that trap. But as a challenge, it's certainly one that's right up there, particularly for people that are starting out. Um, the third one is um, is is actually time management. So you know, very closely related to the second one, but is not having enough hours in the day, just simply not getting all their work done. And the fourth kind of hot button, the fourth biggest challenge, is actually getting the business model right. And you can see, Dale, obviously, that there's a lot of kind of cross relation between all of these. You know, marketing I think is at the core of it. We need to get our marketing right, but we're not going to get our marketing right if we're not focusing on it. So we've got to get ourselves out of the kind of minute tie of our work so that we can focus on those things that really need our attention. Mm, fantastic. Now, I'm, I'm guessing as well that even though we talk about solopreneurs um, not having any employees, they still in many cases will outsource key processes, for example, maybe bookkeeping or things like that and have other people that are maybe that, that they're working with as opposed to them having mm. to, to do everything themselves and being it all in-house. Is that correct? They, oh, they do yeah, absolutely. Support. 
Absolutely a great deal. And I mean, that's one thing that we observe on a daily basis. You know, Flying Solo, we've got 70-odd thousand people within our community now and others on our social networks. And we see a great deal of kind of cross-pollination, people working with each other. And look, it's it's essential. Any solo business that does absolutely everything themselves, frankly, it's they're going to struggle or it's highly likely that they will. And in this day and age, there's no excuse for not outsourcing. We can buy kind of bite-sized time from people to support us, whether it be, as you say, bookkeepers, it might be somebody working, supporting us as a coach, it might be somebody doing design, writing, you know, all kinds of things. There's just such easy access to these people now in a way that is very economically viable and allows the business owner, allows the solo business owner to do what they do best. And that's so important that we do that. Mm. And being in business for many years yourself, do you think the business owners should have a goal to expand beyond themselves or, or is there actually uh, merit in, in staying small? Or is it just more of a case of people really are in their comfort zone and should, should be stepping out? Well, yeah, that's, there's a few questions in yeah. there. Look, I think that um, I think it depends on the individual. There are a number of businesses, a good percentage of businesses, that really do want to work by themselves. And there are a number of reasons for that. It may be that they've had enough of working with other people. You know, we have a number of kind of corporate escapees that have moved to um, the, the world of the kind of solo business. Uh, we have a number of people that simply want to do it their way and they want to be the boss. They want to be in control of their own business. And, and you know, I applaud that. I think it's great if that's what they want to do. There are others, however, that do definitely want to create a bigger business. And I guess what we do, particularly for those people, is we help them get the foundations right. And I know this is at the core of so much of the work that you do, is you've got to build a business on a solid foundation. So if you, you know, the first point is to get it right working yourself and then, um, you know, make sort of gradual steps to grow your business. There are too many businesses that grow without any structure, without any foundation. And those are businesses, sadly, that uh, often, you know, come to some kind of strife. So whether I, I certainly think that it should be a goal for all of us in business to be growing our business, but growing doesn't necessarily mean employment, employing people. It just means being more efficient, being more productive, and having you know greater success with those things that we do. But personally, the thought of employing a whole lot of people, you know, I've kind of been there, done that, and frankly, I don't want to go there again. Um, but the way that we work is in our businesses, we have a number of people, there are about eight of us that contribute and support, uh, many more actually that contribute through uh, content and so on. But the thought of actually taking on lots of stuff doesn't appeal to me, it doesn't appeal to a lot of our uh, community. But it's very much a personal choice. You know, what is the kind of business you're looking to grow? Where do you want it to be kind of in three months? Where do you want it to be in 12 months? Where do you want it to be in 24? Where do you want to be in five years? You know, these are important things that we need to plan, whether we, whether we intend to stay very small or we intend to grow. You know, the, the issues are the same. The questions are the same. And you've mentioned about everyone should have a goal to become mm. more productive and to be mm. able to, uh, to, to grow with the resources that they have. What would be a couple of your tips for people being able to do more with less? Well, look, one of the first things certainly is, <clears throat> is kind of going back on what we've spoken about, which is getting clear on what you do best and, and more importantly, I guess, is getting clear on where you need support. So 
we find a lot of people are uh, very skilled practitioners. You know, they come to a solo business with a particular knowledge base and they're a practitioner of some sort. You know, they have a skill of some sort. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to grow a successful business. So being very clear as quickly as you can be on where you need help. You know, when you uh, I've spoken with so many people that start a kind of solo business, particularly those that have come from employment, and they suddenly, you know, they get situations where they they realize they need to get some stamps, which might sound so basic, and they have to go and stand in the post office queue for 20 minutes. Well, you know, that's not efficient. And, they're, they're, and that's just a, a banal sort of example. But there are so many cases where we need to think, okay, what does the growth of this business look like? What am I good at? Where do I need help? And just planning it. And there's so many ways that we can uh, lean on other people. I mean, one thing that, um, and I won't turn, turn into a big promo for Flying Solo, but one thing that, that um, we absolutely see all day, every day, is the generosity of other businesses. Tell me more about that, people coming together and helping each other out. And I know as well that you've actually got now a, um, a mechanism for making those connections happen through your website. If you put that sort of message out, you're going to get responses. So really, I'm kind of going off track from your question somewhat. But the main thing, I think, is to speak up and be clear about what it is you're trying to achieve. If you don't have the answers yourself, don't be afraid to ask others to support you. You know, and once we start to do that, then I think we can get a very clear picture of how this business needs to evolve, how this business needs to develop, and what steps you need to do to get there. So just to finish on, on, on that question, the other point about how, do, how does a business owner really kind of focus on those things, which I think is, uh, you know, the underlying question you're asking there, is it, it's, it's that old sort of cliche, is, is you're never going to find where you're going if you haven't kind of got a map. You know, it, you, you don't head out in your car without a map in front of you. So the first thing is to have a clear picture of where you're trying to, to get to. Then once you've highlighted, okay, if that's where I'm trying to get to, what do I need to know? What do I need to do? And then what we need to have is to translate those kind of actions into our daily, weekly plans. You know, if marketing and attaining new clients is your key focus, then it needs to be in your diary as a task that you uh, put your mind to and put effort to regularly. Too often I speak to businesses that have had clients, let's say, find clients as, a, as an issue for months. And I say, okay, well, let's look in your diary. What have you done every week for the last two weeks to, to secure and to locate and to attract new clients? Too often the answer is, well, not very much because I've been too busy queuing up in the post office. You know? mm. Okay. Now, tell me about work environment. Do mm. you think that solopreneurs get more done working at home or actually is it better to have a, a small office somewhere so there is a bit of a separation between work and home life? Well, again, that's um, very much up to the individual. And a number of people work from home, we know, because they're juggling things. It might be looking after young kids. It might be um, looking after other family members. There may be very, very, very good justification for being at home. Or it may purely be, be because, like me, you kind of enjoy the commute from the kitchen to your office, as opposed to sitting on buses and trains. So it's up to the individual. But the most important thing, I think, is to be very aware of how efficiently you are or are not working. You know, what, what I've developed, I've worked pretty well on my own since the late 1980s in a couple of hemispheres at least. And, uh, and I found my own model is I have a, a, a home based, I have an office at home which works for me very well. I've had it soundproof so I, you know, I don't hear my family stomping around. Um, but I also have an office out of, out of my home where I go to a couple of days a week. 
And I also have a number of places where I can work remotely. You know, and again, in this day and age, with the whole explosion of co-working spaces, of free Wi-Fi, of public libraries with wonderful facilities, there's no excuse for not working in different environments. But the main thing is what works for you and being clear what works for you. Now, when we wrote our little book a number of years ago, I wrote that in my local public library. Now, I could have gone to my swanky office. I could have stayed in my nice office at home. But it suited me to be in a very different environment where I was getting very clear kind of visual signals that, hello, something's different here. And the difference was, or that difference, being surrounded by lots of studious people, allowed me to work very efficiently without distraction. So, it, again, it's a case-by-case -case basis, really, Dale. You've got to look at each individual and say, okay, are you working well where you are? If not, what are we going to do about it? And there are so many options now. We don't have to go out. You know, I've spoken to so many people. I've done it myself in the past where I've rented an office. I've, you know, stuck a nameplate up on the door, and I've sat there and thought, what have I done this for? You know, it's the main thing is you've got to work out how you operate. And we all operate as individuals quite differently. Some people, I'm quite fortunate, I'm, I'm quite, quite good at, at uh, motivating myself and quite good at staying focused. Others really struggle with it. So, Well, that's my mm, next question. Mm, <laughs> I really yeah. want to know how do people, um, and you said you're naturally good at it, but what about the mm -hmm. ones that aren't? How do you stay motivated if okay. you're the only person that's in the room? Right. Well, that's a great question. The first thing is you've got to be clear what it is you're meant to be doing. What are your priorities? So, uh, again, it's very easy to keep ourselves busy in inverted commas. You know, we can spend all day in our social networks or our inboxes and kind of give the impression to us and people around us that we're doing stuff. But that's not really that's not going to get us anywhere. Uh, it might get us a few more likers and friends, but it's really not going to do anything meaningful for us. So the very first thing is, what are our priorities? What do I need to be working on? And getting yourself into a, a place of some discipline. Now, if you can't do that by yourself, and I totally get that a number of people can't, there's, a, there's ways that we can do that. So getting some kind of accountability is essential. That doesn't mean we have to go out and uh, retain a coach, although if, if that's in our budget, that can be a very, very good thing to do. But buddying up with somebody else um, can work extremely well. Again, you can do that, you know, I hate to plug, but you can do it through Flying Seller. You can do it through little meetup groups. You can do it through your friend who works three doors down and, and say, right, you know, these are my goals for this week. What are yours? Talk to you in three days and let's see how we got on. You know, accountability is basically what can absolutely turn around uh, a soloist who's struggling to get stuff done. And accountability does not have to be difficult. There's even kind of software we can use that does it. But personally, I think human contact, sharing your goals with someone. We have a little thread on our forums, which is what I'm going to do this week. And we invite people, and it happens regularly, to say, right, this is what I'm going to do. And hey, there's you know, 60 odd thousand people there that are now have you shared your goals with. And it seems to work. People do actually do things and they come back and report their success. So, you know, accountability is the key thing. But say, step one is, who are you? How do you work? Do you see any kind of issues with how you work? And if so, you know, then start to, start to take some steps. There's one final thing I would just say. There's a wonderful thing. People can Google it. They can find it on Flying Solo. They can do as they wish. Called the Pomodoro Technique. P-O-M-O-D-O. O-R-O, -O, Pomodoro. After I'm looking the, at a uh, tomato on my desk right now. Well, there you go. Okay, so <laughs> the Italian for tomato. The Pomodoro technique, and you're, by the sounds of it, probably very familiar with this. A wonderful thing written by an Italian guy. Absolutely free, free apps that you can download to your smartphone as well. And it basically, in a nutshell, 
um, f- concentrate your your work into twenty minutes sort of segments, and you and it's got a, a procedure that you follow that is very straightforward, and God knows it's effective. You know, all of us within Flying Solo, or most of us anyway, um, work work with this technique. I've got my little timer in front of me. It's a very 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 good way to do it, and it's a means by which you can kind of give yourself not not really accountability, but a structure, a really clear structure. And um, it, it's very, very effective. And there is a great book called The Pomodoro Technique, and you can also uh, get one of the egg timers as well. And, and there's now a lot of um, apps that you can get as well for your computer. So you can do the digital version if you'd like. It's 25 minutes on and then five minutes off, and you can break up your day into Pomodoros, which is basically mm. a unit block of time and you focus your attention on that and limit any distractions. So let's move on to some other topics. I want to talk about decision making uh, mm-hmm. because uh, with a committee of one, it's very difficult to have uh, input of, uh, from other people and you may be going down a completely wrong track and have no one to stop you. So how does a solopreneur make key decisions in their, their business when they're doing it alone? Okay. Well, look, for for a start, that's one of the appeals, one of the many appeals of being a solopreneur is you do make the decisions by yourself. So it's, yes, it can be an issue. It can also be one of the most wonderful joys of, of working alone is you make the decisions, the buck stops with you. One thing I should say is the, the, the thing with being working by yourself is there is a degree of agility, the ability to move and uh, change course and adapt that is just really so unusual for most other sizes of business. So we will inevitably make decisions that are the wrong decisions, uh, whether we do or we don't speak to anybody else. So that's one thing I would say is it's, it's yes, it's uh, potentially risky, but it's also potentially joyous. And also most decisions can be you know, moved in different directions. And it's the agility that is a great thing. But if you're really not sure, if you're uncertain, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Then again, it's a matter of reaching out. Ask someone else. And we have not just Flying Seller, but the whole kind of small business community is so generous. Ask people. You can ask it on Facebook. You can ask it on Twitter. You can ask it on forums. Just ask. If you're unsure, ask. But in most cases, if you're not sure of a decision, then that kind of points to, well, maybe you need to do a little bit more research. Maybe you need to just look a little bit deeper before you make that decision. Um, So it's not an issue, I have to say, that... Um, that we come up with as being a a major problem. People that make poor decisions, uh, really bad decisions, is often an indication that they've just not actually spent quite enough time looking into it, quite enough time researching it. And most, you know, I'm I'm sure I make a, a mediocre or bad decision every day, but they are not necessarily decisions that are going to be terminal in any kind of way. They're, it's just things that you think, okay, well, that didn't work, so I need to do it like this. And, you know, that's just part of life, I think. And so what happens when that time comes at some point whereby it becomes a necessity to take on uh, extra staff? And how do you embrace it within the Flying Solo community? Is it like, oh, this person's a, a trader now because they've employed someone? I'm sure it's not. But how should, how should you manage that, that moment? And is it something that you should be celebrating or something that you should be uh, kind of regretting? 
Okay, well, I certainly, I certainly don't think there's any, there should be any regret. But I mean, I guess the, the important, or, you know, one thing is, is we should just look at what we mean by taking on staff. You know, I think these days taking on staff is not necessarily the way that it's kind of historically been. It doesn't mean that you need to employ somebody full-time. Very few soloists or very few micro-businesses, micro-covers sort of anything up to five people, few of those really have full-time employees. But a number do, and they get to a point where they where they need to do that. But there are other ways that you can do this, and that that is to use people through contracting, or whether you're getting people through, you know, Odesk or freelancer or, or you know, whatever. There are a number of ways we all know that we can we can have people support us for a few hours a week. And certainly in our business, we have a little team of eight. Three of us are actually sort of full time in the business. The remainder are people that we contract to do particular tasks for us, and we pay them as contractors, as freelancers. So they're not strictly they're they're not employees, they're not staff. We don't have holiday pay and all of those kind of things. It keeps it simpler, and it enables them to run their businesses the way that they want to run their businesses, and they work with other people as well as us. Anyway, that's enough about us. But that's how a lot of businesses can can grow. But I think certainly. Again, it, it's the most important thing is that we have a clear picture of where we're trying to get to so that if we are looking to employ someone in inverted commas, whatever shape that takes, it should be a joyous decision. It should be because it's part of our plan. It's part of our, our designed path. That yes, I know I need someone. I've got to you know this level of success. I can afford to pay someone to help me with my updating my Facebook page perhaps or editing content for me maybe or doing some other marketing for me or doing my bookkeeping you know as long as we've got it planned it's a planned thing not in a, not so much an emergency thing if it's part of a plan then I think it's absolutely something that we should celebrate and you know without say within our community we have a number of people that do employ staff and generally speaking say our 99% of our audience are either on their own or in micro business so I say you know, no more than five people, but we have people that are running much greater businesses as well that like to keep the um, the kind of the mindset of a, of a soloist. So you know, we certainly don't turn anybody away, but um, similarly, they would find that there are other issues that perhaps we don't you know dive into to that level. But no, I think it's I think it's a it's a it's a point to be celebrated. Fantastic. And just before we start to close, just to humanize mm. this whole conversation, can you tell us any notable stories of people that are within the flying solo community about um, you know their journey as a, a solopreneur and and yeah, anything about how how it's been for them? What are some of the conversations that that they have within the community? Sure. Well, look, I, you know, without sounding too sort of pithy, I'm delighted to say that we have um, we have good news stories on a daily basis coming up through our community and that's part of the the lovely thing about a certain size and uh, a generosity we saw, I saw one this morning with a, a person who's just so uh, happy to have have uh, embraced the, the the kind of community that um, he, this is one person who said he's just starting out he's just joined us as a as a free member you know free member is, is totally fine and get access to 99% of our of our site and as a free member, he got our, our guide to marketing and he said it's totally um, transformed the way he does his marketing. We got one last week from a young guy, designer in Melbourne, 
who's um, similarly read one of our reports, I think, on on getting to page one on Google, and it's completely actually it wasn't last week; it was it was about three months ago. Because last week he announced that um, having put those things in place, it's kind of transformed how his business shows up on Google. So there are lots of things like that, but the the main thing. The, the thing that's kind of really warms um, my heart and and my co-directors is just when we see people that have come and are uh, through their connection are happier in their work. You know, most of the people that we have are, are running their businesses largely as a lifestyle business, so to support their life. And our goal in life as Flying Solo is to help people create effective, enjoyable, fun, successful solo enterprises i'm not interested in whether people make millions or don't make millions i'm interested in are they happy people are they enjoying their life are they nice people to be around are they feeling fulfilled in what they do you know if when we see that and we see it thankfully regularly you know then we know we're doing something right beautiful philosophy and just before we close i just checked some stats a few weeks ago in relation to our podcast and i found we've got a couple of hundred listeners from Vietnam amongst a, a mm. whole bunch of other countries around the world. The website is flyingsolo.com.au, but yep. is it, you, do you welcome people from our, outside of Australia to play within the community and to access all of your resources? Yeah, look, we, the way that we run is we are, um, and I make no apology for it, we are an, fundamentally an Australian community. And we made a decision right at the outset that uh, in order to best support those people with whom we can reach and with whom we fully understand the issues and the challenges of their business, it's better for us that we, where we can, restrict our real kind of membership and conversation to those people that are within Australia. We have, having said that, we have a large uh, percentage ourselves that come from overseas that read our content, enjoy our content, and we're absolutely delighted when that happens. Fundamentally, membership, getting really involved uh, in interacting is more, we restrict it more to our local audience just because we feel we can do a better job, something that we can do for our audience. So it may well be in time that we expand further ourselves overseas, but for now, you know, we're being kept pretty busy doing what we're doing. And I believe as well that on the website there is a directory. I believe I know because I'm, yep. I'm actually on there. And um, you people can also post about their business as well. Do you want to briefly tell us about, about that and then we'll bring it to a close? Yeah, sure. Look, any any business that um, joins us can can come straight in and, and even without joining us and just kind of consume um, all of our content, can listen to our podcasts, can read our articles, can follow all our forum discussions and our social networks. Um, if people wish to join us then for or join us as a premium member, there's a small charge. Our premium membership starts at $9.95 Australian per month plus GST. That allows people to list in our directory. It gives them a whole lot more exposure across the site um, through various sort of publishing that we do. It gives them access to a number of video courses that we've run, podcasts, and a whole lot of other reports and, and so on comes in to, at that level as well. Or they can go even higher and join as a business class member, which gives them even greater exposure, gives them access to dear old me on a, uh, a sort of a coaching basis. So there are different levels. But the main thing is just come over and have a look at what we're up to. Um, anyone who's working in a solo micro business, you know, we love you and we'd like to support you. So just come on over. 
Fantastic. So we are going to wrap up now. Robert, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting. Uh, to find out more about Flying Solo, please visit flyingsolo.com.au. Thanks so much and look forward to chatting to you again soon on another Business Masters podcast. Thanks for listening to another Business Masters podcast. To access more great content or to download your free business plan template, visit businessblueprint.com.